Today on Blue 58, the Packers have another should-win game on the schedule this weekend, but let's put it this way instead. It's probably more accurate to say there's no way this game should even be close. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here to preview the Packers' upcoming game against the Washington Redskins. Yeah, you thought the Giants were bad. The Redskins might even be worse. They are 3-9, and nine, so they got a game up on the 2-10 and 10 New York Giants. But come on, it's, it's Washington. They're 0-5 with Jay Gruden. They're 3-4 and four with Bill Callahan. They are bad on offense. They are bad on defense. They are stuck in that perennial cycle of stupid that just infects everything that owner Dan Snyder seems to touch. They are bad, and they do not even have the Giants' ability to be both bad and interesting. I mean, say what you will about the Giants over the past couple of years, you kind of can't look away since Dave Gettleman started trading all of their useful players away. Washington doesn't have that. They don't really have anybody who generates any national interests outside of Adrian Peterson, who's more a curiosity than really a, a good player for a modern NFL team to have at this point. At least with the Giants, you've got Eli Manning, who is an, an interesting figure in this game. Uh, deserved or not, I, I don't know. But he, there's a lot to talk about with the story there. They had Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, they've got Saquon Barkley. They've at least been interesting. Washington is is not quite there. And I don't think I pity any fan base more than Washington Redskins fans. Not that they asked, and they don't want my pity or need it. Uh, but this is a franchise that was once very good. In, in the not-too-distant past, they could have been considered one of the great franchises in NFL history. But they could not be further removed from that now. And it's just kind of sad to see. There's a lot to dislike about the Washington Redskins, but they're part of the the fabric of the league in a way that you can't just overlook. And that they are so far from being that now is just kind of sad. This year's team is kind of a good representation of that because offense, defense, kind of everything in between, they are not super great. Let's start with the offense. You normally don't just want to read long lists of numbers, but I think you'll kind of, well, this is just something else. Zach Cruz from the Packers Wire put this together. The Washington Redskins offense is 32nd in total yards, 32nd in points, 32nd in first downs, 32nd in passing yards, 31st in passing touchdowns, 32nd in yards per attempt, 30th in passer rating, 30th in sack percentage, 32nd on third down, 29th in scoring percentage, 31st in red zone touchdowns, 28th in yards per play, and 31st in expected points added. That is impressively bad. If you're a Washington Redskins fan, if it wasn't so sad, you might be doing that uh, Ron Swanson quote. I'm not even mad. That's amazing. It is amazing how one team can be that bad, that consistently across the board. And it probably starts with their quarterbacks, to a certain extent. Alex Smith, their preferred starter. Well, maybe he's not their preferred starter at this point in the season, even if he is healthy. But he is still out after last year's horrific leg injury. And I don't think he'll ever seriously play again. Why would you? Just go be healthy. He's made a lot of money in his career. And I understand the drive to to come back and all of that, but dude, they almost had to cut your leg off. Just take the money and run or walk as well as you can at this point. Just 
step away. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. I'd, I'd even have a hard time trying to prove something to myself at that point. Instead of Alex Smith, they started the season with Case Keenum. He has started seven games in total this year, and he was basically pre-Minnesota Case Keenum, which is to say not that good. Colt McCoy started one game for Washington this year. He was basically what you expect from Colt McCoy at this point in his career, which is also to say not that good. And Dwayne Haskins has the job now. Their first draft pick of this spring, 15th overall, it's not going great so far. He's completing 54% of his throws. He's throwing interceptions exactly three times as often as he throws touchdowns. And he has broken 200 yards passing just once in the six games that he has been on the field. It's not great. It's not great. Running backs, uh, you've got the old and the new in Washington. The old is Adrian Peterson, the legendary running back. And I think that's that's a fair use for, for Adrian Peterson. He actually has uh, three fewer rushing yards this year than Aaron Jones and is actually averaging more yards per attempt than Jones is on the ground so far this year. Not by a lot, but it still is more. However, the thing about Peterson that has always been oddly true about him is he, he's not a great receiver, which is which has always been strange to me. He's clearly a phenomenal athlete. Why are you not better at catching the football? And now nobody even asks him to do that. He has just 11 catches this year. Aaron Jones has 39, which is pretty much the only numbers you need to look at to see the difference between an old school running back and a modern NFL running back. The new running back in Washington is Darius Geis. He missed all of last season with an injury. He played in one game this year, then got hurt again. Now he's back and he's played in each of the Redskins' last three games and is playing pretty well, averaging five and a half yards per carry on 37 carries. It's hard to envision a situation where either Peterson or Geis is the difference in this one. You kind of wonder if they're going to have enough juice to even stay in it. And if they are trying to get back into the game, they're probably not handing off the ball. But they may be able to do some damage with wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He's going to be pretty fun to watch. And if they're going to do any damage through the air, he's going to have to do it because he's about the only healthy pass catcher they have of any consequence right now. So far this season, the rookie McLaurin has 42 catches for 646 yards and five touchdowns, averaging 15.4 per catch. He has 15 explosive plays on the year, more than any Packers wide receiver this year. Six foot, 210 pounds, a third round pick in the 2019 draft. And normally, I wouldn't be too hung up on exactly where he was drafted, but he was taken 76th overall in the third round. That is exactly one pick behind Jace Sternberger. Oof, that's not looking good so far. Obviously, very early, and there are different needs there. But still, but still, in a situation, a season where the Packers could use a little bit more juice at wide receiver, that is a tough one to think about right now. This is a long-term game, of course, but right now, it doesn't look super great. And like I said, the only receiver of consequence in Washington. McLaurin is the only receiver who's putting up respectable stats this year. No other Washington Redskins wide receiver has more than 50 catches or 50 targets, excuse me, or 30 catches, and only two have more than 200 yards on the season. That's, that's like 20 yards per game at this point of the year, even a little less than that. That's how bad their receiving group has been. Tight ends. Well, normally you've had, you've had a, a couple interesting guys here. Vernon Davis, though, is injured. Jordan Reed, though, is also injured. 
That leaves us with Jeremy Sprinkle, who has a cool name. Moving on to defense, the overview here, very similar to the offense. I'll leave you with this from Ben Fennell. Uh, the Redskins defense has allowed the most drives of 10 or more plays and the most drives of five or more minutes. They are bad at stopping the run, bad on third down, bad at covering downfield, and bad in the red zone. The Packers offense needs to shred this group, says Mr. Fennell on Twitter. I agree. They probably should tear this team apart, and yet the Packers have not always done that when they're supposed to this year. We'll get to that in a second. On the defensive line, two names you should know, starting with, and I practice saying this one, Matthew Ioannidis. Probably the biggest name to know in the Redskins' front seven right now. He leads the team with seven and a half sacks, and his 13 quarterback hits are tied for first. Those seven and a half sacks combined with a few tackles for loss give him a team leading production ratio of 1.375. He is the only player on the team with a production ratio above that number of one that we look for. At six foot three and 310 pounds, the 2016 fifth round pick is putting up a pretty good season overall. He's a big, strong dude. And every scouting report you read from it, read about him back in 2016 mentions his, uh, his, his strength. And he showed that on the bench press, put up 32 reps at 225 at the combine. Uh, NFL.com draft writer Lance Zerline called him a, quote, muscle shark. And I think that's just amazing. If someone called me a muscle shark, that's all I would ever want to be called. I would introduce myself as muscle shark. I would print muscle shark business cards. Muscle shark is probably one of the coolest combinations of words I've ever heard. Way better than muscle hamster. All due respect to Doug Martin there. The other defensive lineman you should know is Jonathan Allen, another big butt-kicking defensive lineman for the Washington Redskins, 17th overall pick in the 2017 draft. He has five sacks so far this year, rushing as a 3-4 defensive end. Now, I do mention that 3-4 defense, which means that Washington's outside linebackers are edge rushers, so maybe technically they're not actually linebackers. That distinction really doesn't matter anymore. We just break it into defensive line linebackers and defensive backs just for ease of discussion. So we'll talk, instead of talking about traditional linebackers, talk about their edge rushers here because they have a couple ones worth talking about, starting with Ryan Kerrigan. He only has four and a half sacks so far this year, but he does have 13 quarterback hits, which, as you'll remember, is tied for first on on Washington squad. This is a weakness in that production ratio stat that we talked about. Another stat that really doesn't show the whole picture because his production ratio is close to one, even with just the four and a half sacks. He's doing a good job still getting to the other side of the line of scrimmage. But since he doesn't have as many sacks as you'd probably like, he gets dinged a little bit in, in production ratio. But those quarterback hits show that he is getting to the quarterback. He has always been a very productive player. He's been in the league since 2011, and he has never had fewer than seven and a half sacks in a single season. In fact, he's had double-digit sacks in four of the last five seasons, and the one year where he missed it, he had nine and a half, which I suppose is technically two digits if you think about it. So maybe it's five years in a row for him. Bit of a down year, still getting to the quarterback, still some of the Packers need to be aware about, and you should be as well. The second edge rusher I'd like to mention is Montez Sweat. This is the guy I wanted for the Packers 12th overall, and I was fairly vocal about that. He is an absolute athletic freak show. He had the college production to match those athletic traits, which was something that we have consistently dinged the Rashawn Gary pick for. He was nearly as athletic at the Combine. But he had very little in the way of college production. And there are mitigating factors for that that I don't necessarily want to get into here. But Sweat 
had the college production to go with those athletic traits. And I know all sacks are not created equal, but right now Montez Sweat has five sacks and Rashawn Gary has one. Some early reports out of Washington said Sweat basically had no idea what he was doing on the football field, uh, had no pass rush plan or anything like that, but he seems to be figuring out a little bit over the last few weeks. Four of his five sacks in the past or in this season have come in the past six games. Now, he has a quad injury and may not play Sunday. Kerrigan is also a little bit dinged up, may not go on Sunday. In fact, that's the theme for most of Washington's team. It seems like they're trying to take the week off, maybe the rest of the season off. Uh, but that's just the way things go. Bob McGinn, I should, this is a, a, a tangent, but Bob McGinn at The Athletic, um, and I, I have a hard time saying you're missing a lot at this point if you're not if you've decided you don't want the athletic subscription, um, McGinn has a, a couple small good observations each week, but he just is is so crotchety and still in badly in need of an editor um, that I'm not sure that he is even close to peak McGinn anymore. But he's really downplayed a lot of the Packers' success this season just because they've been so healthy. But, man, this is the NFL. Uh you take what you can get, and the Packers have been healthy this year, and they're they're beating teams that are not as healthy as they are. And if you can get to the playoffs with a healthy, full complement of players, more power to you. You shouldn't downplay your success just because you've managed to play healthy. Lord knows the Packers have had enough seasons derailed because they haven't been able to stay healthy. That's a small soapbox rant, but um, injuries are not something that you should get too high on or too low on a team for. They just happen or they don't happen. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. In their defensive backfield, the the Redskins have three guys you should be aware of. Uh, Starting with Quentin Dunbar, he leads the Skins with 12 ball hawks. He may not play on Sunday. Um, Again, that's the theme for them this week and for most of the year. Josh Norman is probably the most famous Redskins defensive back, or he would have been until this season for sure. He was an all-pro and pro bowler with the Panthers in 2015. He has nine ball hawks so far this season, just one interception though, and he has been getting just torn apart in coverage. He's been targeted 46 times so far this year. He's allowing 67% of those passes to be completed, giving up 9.2 yards per target. Opposing teams, when they throw the ball his way, are generating a passing rating, a passer rating, excuse me, of 127. He's also counting $14.3 million against Washington's cap this year. Not great. For comparison, here are Kevin King's numbers, and everyone hates Kevin King. He has been targeted 71 times so far this year, but is giving up just 63.4% completion rate. Uh, he is giving up a bit more per target, 9.2 yards per target, or 10.2, excuse me, to, to Norman's 9.2. Neither number is very good, but he's also picked off four passes, so his passer rating allowed is just 88. I would take that every day of the week. Finally, oh, we've got to talk about Landon Collins, the third Washington defensive back I'd like for you to know about. He is actually my player to watch this week. Washington won what seems to be essentially a one-team bidding war to sign Landon Collins this spring. How do we know it was a one-team bidding war? Because, well, it was a six-year, $84 million contract, and it's really hard to envision anybody else really getting close to that number. Because Collins is basically a box safety. He doesn't play deep a whole lot. And if you look at his numbers, he kind of looks like a linebacker. What do I mean by that? Well, he's making plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I noticed that because he has a production ratio of 0.75, eight tackles for loss this year, uh, better than a lot of Packers 
edge rushers and defensive linemen. Uh, he's piled up 102 tackles, which is a lot even for a, like a mid to high level linebacker. But he isn't making a whole lot of plays on the ball. He only has five ball hawks this year, just one interception. For comparison, Chandon Sullivan with the Packers has four. To even uh, make you a little less, uh, put it in a little bit of context, if if Collins is a linebacker, he's not even making a lot of plays on the ball for a linebacker because Blake Martinez has four ball hawks this year. Right there with Collins, who is infinitely more athletic than he is. And when Collins is in coverage, doing what you typically expect from a safety, it's not pretty. He's giving up 74, a uh, completion percentage of 74% on 50 targets so far this year, averaging 6.3 yards per target. The passer rating when you throw at Landon Collins is 103.2. Point two. I guess the bigger question for me is, should you pay any safety that kind of money, regardless of quality? And I think Collins is a good player. Uh, he would have been interesting in Green Bay. Uh, wouldn't have solved a lot of problems for them because they needed, I think, more deep safety help than like a box safety, which even gives you some pause about the Adrian Amos signing somewhat. And I guess it depends what you want from your safety. But considering that people thought it was kind of crazy that the Packers played Adrian Amos, who I just mentioned, four years or $36 million over four years, and he has more ball hawks, is giving up completions less frequently, and is allowing a much lower passer rating. I think it's really hard to say that signing Landon Collins to that deal was a terribly good idea. And I think it would be tough to justify for just about any safety. I mean, Earl Thomas wasn't within within... million of that deal. Sure, he's considerably older and was coming off an injury, but still, he's a much better traditional safety than Landon Collins is. $84 million is just an awful lot of money. Last time the Packers played the Redskins was all the way back in 2018, and the Packers got hammered that day. Yep, 14 points is not too bad as far as a margin of victory, a margin of loss, but it was not even that close. Washington had the Packers exactly where they wanted him, wanted them in that game. Stop me if that's, this sounds familiar at all. That day, Adrian Peterson ran for 120 yards and a touchdown. Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed, tight ends, I should remind you, had a combined 135 yards on six catches. Paul Richardson, Scored a 46-yard touchdown, so you've got big rushing yards, you've got tight ends tearing the Packers apart, and you've got just big plays happening with random people going down the field. It's the 2019 Packers, everybody. We got a preview all the way back in 2018. At least HaHa Clinton Dix had a nice interception that day and later tricked the Redskins into trading for him. If that's all that came out of that game, I guess we can live with that. Prediction for this week. What I think is going to happen is the Packers will win 27 to 17. That's not as much as the Packers should beat the Redskins by. Uh, that's more points than they should allow to this team. But the Packers have been largely characterized by fairly sloppy play over the last month or so. Even the games they should win, like last week against the Giants, they have not really showed a ton of command, or at least it doesn't feel that way. And I think that's probably going to be the trend again this Sunday. They'll probably give up a little bit more in terms of yards than they probably should. They'll probably, you know, put things away down the stretch. But boy, if last week is any indication, they're going to let Washington stick around longer than they probably should. What I hope would happen would be the Packers would beat the Redskins like 45 to 10 and really just take control of this one from wire to wire. It's been a long time since we've seen the Packers do that, really play consistently from from start to finish. At least in the Oakland game, even if they did give up quite a few big plays, they were consistent. They were playing 
similarly throughout the whole course of the game. They looked like they were on top of things. We haven't seen that version of the Packers in a while, and I wish that we would. I hope that we see it on Sunday. I don't think we have a lot of good recent evidence to think that we're going to. But then again, Washington may just be that bad. While I've got you here, I want to bring back something that we haven't talked about in a while. We do our weekly Twitter polls, but we haven't talked about the results in a while. This used to be something we'd incorporate into each and every preview that we did, but it just hasn't worked out so far this year to really do it that way. But it's been interesting nonetheless to see how these polls have developed. So I thought we'd kind of recap where things have gone so far this year. First, it's been interesting to see how resilient Matt LaFleur's approval rating has been. He's sitting at an 89% approval rating, not the highest he's been this year, not a, not by a long shot. In fact, uh, four times this year, he has had a perfect approval rating, 100%. I'm not sure that's ever justified for anybody, but voters seem to think that it was. And he has actually been higher than Aaron Rodgers since week one. And even in games where the Packers have not necessarily played their best or even lost, he has not taken a disproportionately large dip in people's confidence in them. His, his, the drops we've seen from him in, in his ratings have largely been in line with what we've seen from everybody else, with one notable exception, and that would be Mike Pettin, who is absolutely falling apart as the season goes along. For about a month, in fact, for most of the first half of the season, um, he was very close to being the most popular guy in Green Bay. For the first month of the season, he actually was. No one had a higher approval rating from week two to week five than Mike Pettin. From week two to week seven, Mike Pettin was above 90% every week. But since then, it's been a near constant downturn for Mike Pettin. His, or his, his approval rating went down in week 8, in week 9, in week 10. After they beat the Panthers, he got a slight bump. After the bye week, he got a slight bump again. After they lost to the 49ers, they, the rating tanked some more. And he has rallied slightly after last week's win over the Giants, but not by much. Now his approval rating for the season sits at just 19%, and he hasn't been above 50% since before the Packers played the Chargers. He is getting dangerously close to Sean Menenga territory. We started pulling approval ratings on the Packers special teams coordinator after week 10, and he opened the polls at just a 4% approval rating, and things have gone down for him since then. He has been at a 0% approval rating each of the last three weeks. Yikes. Not great. If he comes back next year, oh boy, we're going to have to figure out a way to pull numbers lower than 0%. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Thank you so much for the kind messages we've gotten this week. That's been that's been really great, uh, great to see, great to read. It's a super big encouragement to me, and I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time to reach out. That is the the thing that we ask people to do the most. You can support us. Check out the support page at thepowersweep.com. Or just leave a rating and a review in the podcast app that you are listening on. That helps more people find the show and just uh, just shows that you value the work that we're doing and, and think it's think it's actually pretty good. 
Uh, but as I say every week or every episode, the best thing that you can do to support the show is just to, to reach out, give us feedback, give us thoughts, give us your questions, because that furthers our discussion about this team. And I think that as much as anything else helps move along our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.